Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 112 of the IA Cast. My name is Michael Dowies, and I have quite the group with me this time. I have with me today uh, Aliyah Dudley. Hello. I'm a little sick, but I'm here. Oh, man. Jeff Bishop. Hello. Jason Earls. Hello. Sarah L- Lanier. Hello. And returning to the show, Shelley Brisbane. Greetings, all y'all. And this is Sarah's first turn on the show, so welcome aboard. We're glad you're here. Thank you for letting me join. Definitely. And we have, we're going to make it a short news segment today because we have quite the topic to talk about, and we're going to try to get the show out by Wednesday. So people experiencing the CSUN conference can uh, listen and get questions answered by some folks that have made it to the conference, but we want to start with the news as we always do and talk about uh, this big thing that's been in in the news re- uh, recently. You know, the uh, presidential uh, season is starting up for people trying to run for presidency, and uh, a lot of the topics that are coming up is technology. Specifically, I believe Senator uh, Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, yeah. Yes. Is talking about splitting up big tech companies like Facebook, Amazon, Google, and Apple. And on the premise of antitrust and to break up kind of the monopoly uh, that, they, that she feels that they have in this industry. And I don't know what you guys' thoughts are on this. I as far as an accessibility angle, I feel like this would be kind of going back to square one where you would have to work with a bunch of smaller companies to get anything done. What are y'all's thoughts on this? I don't no. see where you can consider one a monopoly over the other as far as we're talking like Apple versus Google versus Microsoft versus Amazon versus Facebook because a lot of times they have very similar services and those services are offered and it's just a matter of consumer choice. Now, well, Facebook being big, big social media, I could see maybe, but as far as Apple and Google, I, I don't really see it. I would sort of agree because, I mean, while Apple does have their own bookstore, Google has a bookstore. I don't know if Microsoft has a bookstore. Does Microsoft have a bookstore? I don't think so. Well, they're considered monopolies because they have so many different things that they do like amazon has you know they consider it a monopoly on uh shipping and uh, you know shopping because you could buy anything facebook is kind of they consider a monopoly on social media apple kind of has a monopoly on uh the iphone in a sense kind of like how they viewed microsoft in the 90s you couldn't, you know, change your your default browser and things like that. And Google, you know, they do they're kind of the monopoly of search. And now it's funny because they're going after Google even though they're a smaller company under Alphabet. So it's it's interesting, you know. My view on this is is that there is I don't think the industry's cornered by these companies that were picked out to be split up. I think Twitter is, you know, another social network and I just don't think it's as as big a deal as what they're saying what are you, any other thoughts on this 
I think a couple of things. I think Amazon and Google both have to be looked at beyond the sort of consumer facing stuff that they do. Google, Amazon particularly has the AWS service, which provides a lot of infrastructure. Google provides a lot of infrastructure around the internet. And I think to the extent that we talk about antitrust and monopoly, uh, to be honest, that to some extent, that's a means to an end. There are a lot of people that are really upset about the way technology companies have abused the positions of power and trust that they have and the means by which the, the easiest lever at hand that the government has is probably antitrust. And you get into sort of semantic problems if you sort of argue traditional antitrust. You say, well, I, I can use Facebook or I can use Twitter, uh, but or I can use any other, if I can use DuckDuckGo instead of Google. Well, Amazon and Google, because of the impact that they have on the broader internet, are a little more difficult to quit. There was actually a, a pretty good article not long ago about somebody who said, I'm going to try and quit Google for a week. And they went. They didn't use Google for search. They didn't use their Google Docs or their Gmail. But they encountered a lot of instances in which when they moved around the internet through sites that they had either authenticated with Google or that had purchased uh, enterprise stuff from Google, that they had difficulty doing it. So I think you have to look at not only your own personal experience of these companies, but how they impact the larger internet. I think Apple is a much harder case to make because there's not really an area in which Apple has what you could call a monopoly or a stranglehold. And I and I would even argue that I think the Facebook problem is much less about straight up business antitrust. It's not because you can't get onto another social network, although with the authentication schemes Facebook has, it does make it something of a challenge. Like if you quit Facebook, have you really quit Facebook? It's really about data selling, data sharing, data privacy, the degree to which your data is not your own. And that, as I say, is not necessarily an antitrust related issue, but it is an issue of concern in terms of privacy. The European governments tried to deal with this in GDPR. And I think what's happening right now is candidates are trying to get something out there that will excite a certain base of people. And when they get right down to it, they're probably not going to use the specific antitrust laws that exist out there to say, hey, what percentage of search or social networking or uh, groceries do these companies have for consumers? Right. And I was just going to say, I go ahead, Sarah. Think, yeah, I, I think if they're going to go after Apple and Google and Amazon and Facebook, they should also go after AT&T, Comcast and Verizon for having monopolies on cable and telecommunications. I, I think mean, the I people that want to go after arguments. those tech companies absolutely want to go after those because the AT&T merger and the, even the Sprint and T-Mobile merger uh, was not looked kindly on by the uh, kind of candidates that are talking about splitting up these other tech companies. Yeah. And, and I just think it's you're, when you start to see a lot of corporate power, you start to see, you know, mishandling of that power. And I think that's why the government wants to take any action they can using whatever ammunition they can find to kind of bring these companies down to back down to earth and you know to say look you're getting too big let's let's see what we can do it's just i think facebook's issue is not necessarily antitrust as shelley said i think it's more of a um more of a let's see what we need to do for you know monitoring them as far as privacy I know other candidates are talking about taxing uh, data that is being shared between, you know, selling 
your your data to third parties from other companies. And that's an interesting thought, but it it's going to become a bigger topic I think in this presidential candidacy this year this uh in 2020. So I think this is a story we're going to be watching pretty closely because to me it also affects accessibility if you have a lot of other companies that don't have the big the money of the bigger organization and then you have to negotiate well what can we get what can't we get as far as you know implementation can i just say one thing about that i think that that would be a stronger argument if the big companies had done a better job in accessibility across all of their platforms. Agreed. Apple has a much more unified platform than some of the others do. Facebook has Instagram and WhatsApp. Google has any number of tools that are developed by completely separate software teams. And they are not, and, 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 and I'll go back to the to AT&T and Time Warner and Comcast and all those companies. If you look at the various products those companies provide, their accessibility track record is not that great. You can find instances in which, oh, well, these, this set-top box is accessible, but maybe the billing site isn't. And so just having that largeness of a company is not a guarantee that you're actually going to be able to make progress. And even if you, for example, were to sue a company for accessibility uh, limitations, you could say, let's say you sue Comcast. Well, maybe you get their set-top. This is a bad example because they already have accessible set-top boxes in some cases, but let's say you sue them for the accessibility of their set-top boxes. That doesn't mean their billing app or the next cable company that they buy is required to adhere to the agreements of that lawsuit. So I don't think a big company is necessarily a guarantee. In theory it is, because if you had the opportunity to talk to the head accessibility person at Facebook, you would be able to maybe say, hey, what about WhatsApp? What about Instagram? And maybe you have a little bit of leverage, but it hasn't really worked out very well so far. And even Apple, you know, you sort of see some of that, too, across their different services. I mean, granted, it's not, in my personal opinion, it doesn't feel as drastic as, say, what I've experienced with some of Google's stuff, for instance. But it's still there, and it still happens. Yeah, accessing certain aspects of online iCloud, <clears throat> Apple, you know, you may make a, a good picture in terms of accessibility of hardware devices, but... Um, there are still some glaring issues, and, you know, I think, I don't think the problem would be magnified by any of this. I mean, it would be certainly more of a pain. I, I don't even think it would be more of a pain, because even still in the larger companies, you've got accessibility leads for different projects who may not, and probably don't, talk to each other. So, you know, con the number of contacts you would have to make wouldn't necessarily increase all that much. Well, and and towards your point, Shelley, if you know, you bring up a very good point. It may be easier for us to negotiate accessibility. You know, now that you mention that, because you're not working with, you don't have to go to different parts of the same company. You can reach out to smaller companies. Although it kind of feels like Amazon and you know Google. Are kind of like that anyway. It feels like it's an um, Amazon and Google are umbrella names for smaller companies, and you know you have Audible, which it you know they say on their website, which is an Amazon company, or you have you know AWS, which they all use sing, you know the same login, but they're they feel like totally different platforms, and uh, so it kind of feels like they're already separate companies, but you know just under the same name, so. That is kind of our big news topic that we're going that we focused on today. 
you know, we'll have more. We will have a lot of news, I'm sure, next week after CSUN, and we have, uh, you know, we can see more of the you know, what we're getting from the conference and all the announcements and such that come out. We're going to be around the exhibit hall and around the conference, so we'll be very excited to see what we what we find out. So, all right, on to the main topic of the show today. Next week is going to be, well, I guess this week. Yeah, this yeah. week because it's Sunday. Wow. Yeah. It's exciting. We fly out in two days. Yeah, we fly out Tuesday morning <laughs> to CSUN. we're not even packed yet. <laughs> yeah, we are not even close to packed. No. Uh, we're headed to the CSUN conference in Anaheim. I keep wanting to say San Diego because, you know, that's where it's been. So, Jeff and, she- and Shelly, when are you guys flying out? Leaving Tuesday out morning as Tuesday well. Tuesday morning. Yep, Tuesday. <laughs> Probably not as early as ours. Our flight leaves at mine's pretty early. Ours is five. Mine's at six oh nine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm later in the morning. I fly out at noon Pacific. You got a shorter flight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. (laughs) So, so I want to talk about the hotel. Um, Have Michael or Shelley? Have either of you had a chance to look at a map? No. Of the hotel. I haven't. No. Yeah, my understanding is that everything is on one floor, um, which is going to be great. Yeah. You know, as far as not having to, you know, go up and down elevators or escalators or whatever. Uh, and supposedly there's nice long hallways, you know, uh, but uh, we'll see. I, I'm just a little nervous about that, but it can't be any worse than San Diego. San Diego was pretty difficult to get around in. It was very open um Ugh. lots of echoes just it made it really challenging i, I will just t- i'll tell you the two fat only two factoids i know about the layout one is uh in looking at various presentations uh and the the sort of corporate suites that usually exist uh one of them was listed as being quote right down the hall from the exhibit hall now of course that could mean anything but the implication is that things are kind of close together or at least in a, a navigable space so that sounds good Excited about that. Uh, the other thing is, it appears that the Marriott is, it's in, for lack of a better way of explaining it, because I got on Google Maps and, and tried to look at uh, just like Google Street View and see what I thought of, because I'm staying across the street at a different hotel. And it looks to me as if there are several hotels all in sort of a big parking lot kind of area. And that seems to bode well for navigability and travel if you're not staying at the Marriott, which is kind of exciting to me, since I'm not. Uh, and it looks, you know, there's there's no like crossing four lane highways or intersections that look unfriendly to pedestrians. So that's that seems like a good thing. I hope that's true. Yeah, I'm sure that'll make things a lot easier. I assume that wasn't the case last year then. Well, San Diego, uh, if you stayed in the hotel, which was another because because that was like one big hotel where everything was. But if you wanted to go out to other things or if you were staying in a different place, uh, it was. It was challenging on the first go. Once you kind of get it, it was it was not impossible to do, but l- distances were long. And I think for for myself, I was trying to get from a hotel that was a mile away onto a train, and then off of a train and across a three-way uh, intersection with quite a lot of traffic. It did have signals, but uh, I found it challenging. And more importantly, I guess it just took me longer to get places than I would have liked because you know you're in a hurry and you're always doing a lot of things. So. I'm hoping that all being in in one place and sort of relatively self-contained will be 
um, easy. And and I and I hope and I don't know whether other events are going to be in the Marriott as well, or what's going to be involved in terms of travel. Like if you're fortunate enough to get a fancy party invite, but those are good problems to have. So Jeff, you're you're staying in the hotel, correct? Yes, I am. So it'll, it will be interesting to hear your thoughts on on how the hotel is. Um, you know, we're Ali and myself are staying um, in a Candlewood Suites, about uh, an Uber ride away, about ten dollar Uber each way. So we're gonna probably go in early each day and then, you know, leave in the evening after events conclude. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Did you guys read the announcement from CSUN about the elevators and how they work as far as getting to rooms and stuff like that? Did you guys read that? I didn't. Yeah, apparently you have to um, you have to use a keypad, and then it will then direct you to a specific elevator, and there are no buttons inside the elevators. That's, That's interesting. Crazy. Yeah, very strange. I does I not seem tailored to, to this that. audience. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That's kind of what I, I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I kind of want to try that out now because I've never seen anything like that. Me either. That's weird. Right. It's interesting. Yeah, I've I've seen banks where certain elevators go from like one to seven before they stop. Or San Diego was like that. They had goes, three banks yeah. of elevators on each yeah, side of the tower. Yeah, yeah. And, and but once like you that. knew what floor you were on, you just found the bank that corresponded and you right. went up. Now, I now, remember. What's interesting is this is a. Sorry, Michael, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I remember at the San Diego Hotel, if you went to the highest floor, it moved so fast your ears could pop. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Oh, wow. wow. That'd be now this experience. Now, this is a Marriott. Which means that we should, in theory, be able to get in our rooms with our phones. Oh wow! I've never had that experience. NFC? I've I've heard that that's yeah, a thing NFC that exists. Keyless entry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would remember that being someone in the Apple Kinos. I wonder how that would work. Yeah, I wonder if that's right. done through Wallet or an app or I, how that I works. believe it's done through Wallet. wallet. I would imagine. I believe it's yeah. done through the Wallet, which well, is really fun. neat. I'll enjoy that. Wait, I'm not staying there. Oh well, it'll be fun to watch somebody do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, does that mean you'll be able to do it from the Apple Watch? You won't even yes. have to use your phone. Oh, that would be yeah, cool. Yeah, in theory, you should oh, be able to do it. Everybody come up to my room. We'll have a party. Right. Let's <laughs> go in and out of Jeff's room all day long. <laughs> <laughs> it's on tape. We have to do it now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the hotel ought to be really interesting. So are you, Shelly, registered for sessions at the conference? Sadly, no. It's a little uh, out of my budgetary uh, means, and I find I'm always a little surprised at just how much stuff I end up doing uh, just with exhibits and uh, the events that you can go to that the companies sponsor. And so I kind of miss it because there are a few sessions I'd really like to go to this time. They're always a lot. I had to stop looking because I was like, I want to go to that. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I did it one year and I really got a lot out of it, but I also was was crazy busy that year. Jeff, are you registered in any way for the conference? Well, I'm presenting at the conference, so yeah, I will be uh, able to go to sessions, so I plan on doing that, but also spending time in the exhibit hall. And so, Shelley, for you, other than the exhibit hall, do you meet people, or do you spend a lot of your time doing interviews for Blind Bargains? Or I do, I do interviews for Blind Bargains in the exhibit hall. I'm also covering for AFB's Access World. So the two things I want to do in the exhibit hall are see new stuff 
and also see products that I might review for Access World or that I just don't know about. I cover a lot of low vision stuff, and so it's helpful to actually put your hands on it and see how it behaves and whether it's appropriate for whatever eye condition somebody might have. So I do a lot of that. And then uh, CSUN has always had a lot of, in addition to the presentations, the, the presentations that are formally part of CSUN that you pay for, there have always been these suites that the companies like Google and Amazon and Microsoft and others will have open all week where they will do demonstrations of their products as well as sessions, presentations. And so those are open to people who haven't registered for the conference. And sometimes that's product stuff and propaganda, but a lot of times there's actually content in there. And so I will often go, like for example, last year there was an Android a P preview session and I didn't know a lot about Android and I wanted to so I went and I learned some stuff and I usually meet people and another goal of mine is I do a podcast called Parallel and I would really like to record a bunch of interviews uh, kind of on the spot because uh, booking guests is hard and uh, the more people I can uh, talk to with a microphone that th that will be a successful CSUN for me. Now how do you do that? Like what 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 equipment do you use Shelley for your uh mobile interviewing needs? So my when I'm just going out by myself to do a field interview, I have an omnidirectional microphone called the AT804, which I connect to either a Zoom H6 recorder or a Tascam DRK100. And I'm probably bringing both for reasons that I will tell you in a moment. Uh, and that little AT804 is a very small omnidirectional mic, which is super good for getting both the person you're talking to and a little crowd ambience as well. And so basically it's just the mic and the digital recorder. And then I bring the Zoom along because by Bargains does a lot of interviews in a, a suite and will invite people to come. And sometimes it's multiple guests. And so I will set up the Zoom so that we can record a couple of people presenting as well as the whoever's doing the Blind Bargains interview. And then at the end of the conference, we do a Blind Bargains wrap-up show at which I br break out all the microphone, all the gear I have. I think I'm taking five microphones with me this trip, <laughs> and we're going to do a big sort of CSUN wrap-up. Just as sort of this is a preview show, uh, we're going to bookend it uh, at Blind Bargains uh, Friday night for the wrap-up. Cool. Wow. I think you and Aaliyah are basically bringing um, just a set of, um, or a couple sets of Andreas something to record with, right? In the past, I have brought Andrea headphones. They are binaural uh, headphones that let you actually hear the uh, ambience of the room. You can hear, you know, the, the the people along with the subject you're talking to, as if you're in the room. And they're really neat headphones. And then uh, I have an adapter that I hook them up to my new iPad Pro. And I could do recordings uh, with a microphone that you normally use on a computer. So they have, they, I, I think they're not the best uh, sounding because, you know, the Andrea headphones can have some hiss and some, to me, they, they sound distort. occasionally a little bit muffled and they can <clears throat> distort depending on what you have your mic volume set to. But they do a pretty good job. In fact, we're going to have uh, two recordings come up pretty soon of some live demos that we've done at the NFB Austin chapter. Uh, meetings here pretty soon so you can hear how that sounds and some of our older interviews have been done on those as well I also have used the Hookverse uh, binaural Bluetooth headphones at CSUN before to do interviews as well if I had a set of Ambios I would take them but I don't so I won't so explain the Ambio headset the Ambio headset is powered by lightning um, it just sounds the cool. cable 
powered by lightning. It does anyway. sound cool. <laughs> Which is really really awesome if the weather is bad, but if the weather is good, you don't get to use them. <laughs> anyway, it is... It, it, Which it, is... <laughs> it connects to your phone with a lightning connection. Um and or your iPad or whatever and um, you can use the voice memos app to record in binaural it seems to be a little less sensitive than the Andreas it also has uh, probably mm, 12 times the price tag of the Andreas it is a $300 headset so I would expect it to be good um, <laughs> but so and the Andreas are a dying breed they are not manufactured anymore. Yeah. So. And the nice thing about the Ambios is you can hear your environment too. You don't have to like. Right. Take headphones off or do anything like that, or rely on your recorder to monitor for you. Right. It's a very nice headset, but I don't have one, so I won't be taking one. I'm sorry for showing you mine. Mm. No, I'm not. Yeah. No, <laughs> you never are. I, I do sort of envy the idea that you just walk around with something on your head. And you don't have to fool around with mic cables. And, and I, I worry about things like what bag am I going to carry so that it's both lightweight but also will contain all the things I need. And, oh, do I need to take an extra microphone in case I do a sit-down interview where I don't want to be holding microphones between two people. And, and I, I obsess about this stuff. And I have started packing, mm -hmm. just FYI. But all the things I've packed are gear. So... <laughs> Yeah, and the nice thing about the Ambios is they come in a really very light cloth um, bag that have drawstrings. So you could, like, clip them to yourself or whatever, and, I mean, you still would have, you know, mic cables and stuff, or a, a cable to deal with, but it would just be like a set of headphones. Um, well, so. and I might bring our Yeti microphone, maybe for a, using it in stereo, for a wrap-up show sort of thing. Or a IACast live show. We're also going to do some interviews as well. Uh, I doubt we'll get near the coverage that Blind Bargains does because they do great coverage on their own, thanks to Shelly. And uh, does JJ help Thank out you. with that? Oh, yeah, he helps out a lot. So JJ, Joe, and I will all be recording interviews. Okay. And we we really do power through. We try, I mean, before the show starts, we get the uh, exhibitor list and we divvy it up. And we sort of play to our strengths. Uh, JJ does a lot of Braille stuff. Uh, Joe has vendors he's known for a long time in mostly the blind space, but also a little bit of low vision. And then I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the queen of magnifiers, it seems. I do a lot of that kind of stuff. So what we do is we go and record five to ten minute interviews with people who have new stuff on the show floor or that we haven't talked to in a while. And then we upload those, and they become individual Blind Bargains podcasts. Sometimes we have a sponsored podcast that's longer. Sometimes we'll interview somebody like Humanware or Hymns that has a major announcement, and we might do that off the show floor in a suite so it's a little bit quieter, and also you can hear some speech because it's sometimes a little hard to get speech on the exhibit floor. And then, uh, again, those are all uploaded. Sometimes in the course of the week, they we tend to drop... Some while the show is going on, but some after the show has gone on. So there's like a week where there's just tons of Blind Bargains podcasts. And I need to point out that we usually have great sponsors this year. Uh, AFB is sponsoring us, Access World. So I am also covering the show for them. So it's really kind of a good... It's funny because when you when you do work for multiple outlets, sometimes you don't want to say, oh, hey, I'm working for these other guys as well. But in this case, they're like, cool, of course, because we're all working together. <laughs> and then, uh, like I say, we're going to do a live wrap-up show. We had a great show last year.
about six people on the panel and an audience of, I think, two. But I think we're going to try and ramp that up a little bit this year and sort of make it a, a closeout event where people can come and just hear what we thought of all the stuff that was going on at the show. And then that's usually released, uh, you know, a week or a few days after the show. And uh, that's the show where I get to play sound technician and I run all the cables and make people behave and hand the microphones and tell them not to, you know, drink all the beer before the show starts. But it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I just want to point out there's something about your title, the Queen of Magnifiers, that just sounds epic. <laughs> I like it. I've also been known as Podcast Juggernaut, but for this particular purpose, I'll be Queen of Magnifiers. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's it's an amazing conference, and I know Blind Bargains does some great stuff. Jeff, what are you, what are you looking forward to this time? You know, I think the greatest fun at CSUN is actually seeing friends and, uh, you know, acquainting yourself with people that are in the industry. I think that's the, the best part of CSUN. You know, sitting around uh, and eating, you know, dinner with friends and, and having conver side conversations outside of sessions and even outside of the exhibit hall, that's where you do most of your learning. But it's going to be great to go through the exhibit hall. I'm I'm personally in the... Well, shopping for a new Braille display, so I'm going to be focusing on that for, for myself. And, and then just going to sessions and looking at what all the big tech companies are up to. But uh, really, I think the biggest part of it is just going and having fun and learning and interacting with lots of just really amazing people in the, uh, in the industry. Okay. Aliyah, what are you most excited about as far as this conference? So for me, this is my first year, so... I'm like, this is totally unknown to me. And unfortunately, registering was way out of my budget. Um, even though I'm a student and it would have been half price, it's still out of my budget because students are broke. Anyway, <clears throat> um, <laughs> so the the thing I'm, I'm really excited about being able to network with people and um, hopefully not give them whatever funk this is. And, <laughs> um, and you know, Networking with people, looking through the exhibit hall. Of course, I'm a tech junkie, so I'm going to definitely be the, in the exhibit hall. And, um, you know, any any sessions that I can find that, you know, not sessions necessarily, but, but any opportunities that I can find that don't require registration, I'm going to be at those. So what exhibits are you guys all most excited about at CSUN this year? I know, Jeff, you had said that you were looking at Braille displays and but is there any particular exhibit that kind of sticks out? You're like, oh, I really, really, really want to go to this thing or the sessions. I don't think that there's one all up because there's always surprises, right? There's always companies that you're going to find that went, wow, I didn't even know they made that. Or, you know, the, even the smaller companies, it's interesting what you learn by just making sure that you make the complete circuit around the exhibit hall. You know, of course, all, all the big players are going to be there, too, and I want to see what they're doing as well. But I think it's just important to make sure that you don't forget the little guys that are out there because a lot of times you're going to get surprises there. Do they organize the exhibits in any fashion to make it where, like, you've got all the magnifiers in one row or you've got all the Braille displays in one certain area? Or is it kind of a big hodgepodge where they just sort of wherever there was space threw, threw something in? Well, it's a hodgepodge, but you can also search the exhibits by a topic you're interested in. So you can have a list that is in booth order based on your interest. So that, for example, if you are interested in Braille displays, 
you can say, oh, I need to go to 100 and then 300 and 400. And the, just the locations of booths are really, to a large extent, determined by where they've been in the past. That's pretty much standard practice in the tech in the, in the trade show industry. If you have been an exhibitor for a really long time and you have spent a lot of money, you're going to get one of those big front booths. That's why those big booths are in the front and there's little tiny ones off to the side and in the back. And, and that's no different at CSUN. Interesting. So, Shelley, is there anything that you are very excited about that you want to see or that you're, you know, the conference that you you are interested in? Not a particular exhibitor, although I, I'm always looking at trends because that's one of the things I write about. And last year, there were a lot of wearable devices, some of which were made with VR headsets for folks with low vision. There are the other wearables that are sort of high-priced uh, cameras on glasses, frames, that sort of stuff. And a lot of those things were out last year, but it felt like they weren't ready for prime time. It was more of a proof of concept. Although if you ask the companies, they'll be like, oh, no, we'd be happy to sell you one. So I'll be curious to know how that technology has evolved, because I think there were a lot of people that were skeptical about whether a VR headset was actually the right way to implement basically a magnification system. And I understand that some changes in technology are out there. And so I'm kind of looking forward to that. And and also to see whether prices have gone down any and whether these companies have had the chance to, you know, deal with real world customers and, and learn a few things. So one of the things that you talked about was being, you know, going to the different suites and different things for folks that have not registered. And how do you uh, at CSUN find out about those events? What what tech uh, what techniques do you use? CSUN has a listing on their site. I'm not sure how complete it is. In San Diego, also, uh, th all those suites were kind of bunched up together along a hallway, and there were printed billboards out front of the suites that would tell you the, the presentations. And I say printed on purpose because I, I assume that Braille schedules are available, but you might have to go inside them. And there's probably half a dozen of them. So Google, Amazon, Microsoft, um, DQ, which is a web accessibility company. Uh, there are probably some others I'm not thinking of, maybe IBM. And so what the way that typically works is that, well, for let's just take Amazon for an example. So Amazon had a great big room and they had a lot of products around the perimeter of the room. So you had Echoes and you had Amazon televisions and you had uh, Amazon. They even had, uh, they announced accessible Amazon lockers last year. And so they had a prototype of this locker that was going to be a, a, a talking locker. Uh, and those were all in the perimeter, and you could just go, anybody could go in at any time and look at that stuff. But they also had a bunch of chairs and a podium up front, and they would do presentations throughout the week. And so there was a presentation on the lockers. There was a presentation on the new Fire TVs. There was a presentation on, and so whatever the company is doing, they're going to schedule hour-long presentations. Sometimes they're repeated, sometimes they're not. But if you have an interest, if it was, say, if it was... Um, Android stuff, if you had an interest in Android technology versus Google Docs versus, you know, it, whatever it is that Google's doing, you can pick and choose, oh, well, this is the one I care about. And those schedules, I don't think are typically on the CSUN site, but there might be a link that would lead you to the schedule that the company has provided. I've been on those mailing lists, so I get emails. But uh, I do think it's probably a bit of a challenge for a first timer to kind of go find those. But going down that long hall of suites, if they're nicely organized together and sort of saying, hey, what have you got on offer? Can I have a brailled copy of your schedule? Uh, would probably be a good uh, early step in sort of getting acquainted. And the hours of those suites typically correspond with the hours of the exhibit hall. 
See, I'm I'm learning a lot just from this podcast because I'm I went to the sessions the last two years and kind of skipped this whole aspect of the non-registered CSUN. That's what I'm calling it, and so this is really interesting. That just almost sounds offensive. You're, I don't know, non-registered. Make it sound like we're like the CSUN underground. Yeah. <laughs> Although you do have to register for the exhibit hall, which is interesting. It's a free registration, but... It's so they can give you a badge, and then when you go to a booth, they can collect your date data. Right. Exactly. I don't think they're worried that it's going to be stormed by randos. I just think they want your data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, at this point, uh, I would like for any of you guys who... Are not going or Aaliyah, since you're a first time goer, do you guys have any questions that you all would like to know about the conference? Well, you stole mine about how to find like um stuff for unregistered people. See now I'm saying unregistered. This is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> you stole mine, so now I gotta think of one. So Jason and Sarah, what what's on y'all's mind about CSUN? You know, since y'all have not been to the conference, what, you know? I think maybe for me, my big question would be, what makes what you see at CSUN as far as from the major players in the community, like um, Freedom Scientific or its uh, umbrella companies, what makes that different from what you see maybe at the conventions in July? So what would be the big draw for going to CSUN as opposed to waiting until you went to one of those conventions? CSUN is really meant for a different audience. Lots of consumers go to this, but it's really meant for professionals in the AT space and education space and other uh, professional industries to get together and discuss latest trends and to learn from each other um, to, you know, on best practices throughout the industry to be able to be effective. And a lot of uh, product announcements are made at CSUN. Uh, generally, when you go to the consumer shows, a lot of the products will then have been released or more polished throughout that year. So you you tend to get uh, you know um, more information later in the year as well. So it's just really more about a, a different audience. A different it's a different makeup. There's a lot of of working together with lots of different companies. So it 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 tends to uh, be more like that at CSUN, whereas the consumer shows, it's really all about the consumer at that, at that point. Yeah, I think product announcements do tend to happen at or even before CSUN because there's a conference at the end of January called ATIA where a lot of educators go. And it used to be that people would go to ATIA and they would sort of say, hey, we have something cool coming. And then at CSUN, they would show it off and maybe even release it. And then by the summer shows, people had heard of it and they would line up. They actually want to sell you stuff at the summer shows. You can buy things at CSUN, but it's not as frequent. So you certainly will be able to buy, you know, canes or magnifiers or like assistive technology little gigaws. You you might or might not buy a braille display or you might just say, hey, I really like that one. Uh, I'm going to order it online. The other thing about CSUN, and it's maybe not as relevant to us, is 
there's a big web accessibility and corporate accessibility component. There are a lot of sessions about how to do document accessibility in corporate and government environments, how to do web accessibility and compliance. There are companies who are big consultancies in those fields that both present and have a presence at CSUN because they're trying to attract customers. If you go to parties at CSUN, you might randomly run into somebody who does accessibility at Verizon. And you're like, oh, okay, because uh, you hadn't really thought about that. But yes, there are people who do that. And this is the kind of conference that they go to, whereas they're probably not going to be at, at summer uh, conventions. And I, I will just say, I, I believe Jeff is probably right. I haven't been to nearly as many summer conventions as I have to CSUN, probably because that's my self-selection. I've probably focused mostly on, hey, here's the new stuff. And I'm approaching it from a, you know, more of a business focused point of view as opposed to, hey, let's go buy our copy of JAWS or our, our you know, new gadget at the NFB or ACB show. And I think one of the things that is interesting for me is that I'm majoring in computer information systems and of course, you know, accessibility and implementation is and implementation should go hand in hand when you're talking about making um, accessible um, purchasing decisions and making sure everything works. So I'm kind of sad that I'm missing some of these sessions that I really would have loved to be at and, and to learn some, even though I know a lot from firsthand experience, it would be interesting to see things more from the, the back end, as it were, not from the end user's perspective. The sessions are really dense. I mean, Michael, you, you've been to some and you could probably say something about it and more. I've, I went one year but the problem I had was choosing which ones to go to and at the time I was going uh, the reason I went to sessions that year was I wanted to learn how to publish the book that I eventually did and so I went to a lot of sessions about EPUB and about document publishing and you can either get really lost in the weeds and go oh I'm in the wrong place or you can find your people and it, it's there's a I don't know how many sessions there are at CSUN, but as conferences go, it's a really large number because the variety of sessions is so great. Definitely, and the sessions like there's some this year that uh, I just wish I could have gone to the you know Chancy is doing her uh, maker session again, which is on you know like the maker uh, projects like Arduino and different things like that, which. I went to in 2017 and it was wonderful. Uh, I actually bought an Arduino and meant to, you know, get into that kind of area. Just, you know, never had the time. But you know, it's always something I'm looking at and as a hobby and different things like that. So it's there's so many things that just sound amazing. There's a big focus this year on AI in the sessions, which oh, that just sounds amazing to learn about, and it's just. Um, you know, I'm sure there's other ways to get that same information, but it would just be nice to be in the room with the person asking questions. It's that's where it's all about, and it's just wonderful. Uh, but again, there's so much to the conference, and if you're not in the area of development and all that, the sessions aren't really, not all of them are for you, and so you have to pick and choose which ones are the best for for what you're looking for. All right. Do you, you guys have, have any other final comments before we wrap up today? I'm excited. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I really think this is going to be a good experience. I just want to say that I think, you know, CSUN definitely is going to offer a lot of interesting opportunities, you know, for people who are going to learn and to, 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 to meet people, you know, to network. And, it, you know, it sounds like it would be a lot of fun. So 
those of you who are going, I hope you uh, learn a lot and enjoy yourselves. And I hope you come back and share that knowledge that you've learned. Yes. Of course. Don't be stingy with now the knowledge. Now we're keeping all the knowledge to ourselves. We're nope. not recording anything at all the entire week. <laughs> you can't have So your mics are just props? Yes, just props. I carry on mics <laughs> so that people will let me into rooms. And, de <laughs> and defense mechanisms. That's, That's a much cheaper way to get into rooms than paying for them, I suppose. Depends on whether it works or not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And... You know, I, I feel like this show is this this whole experience is going to be great, even though we're Ali and I are not registering and apparently Shelly, too. So, you know, we're, we're going to enjoy it. It's going to be a great we're going to learn a lot. We're going to be busy. Join I mean, the Rebel Club. We're going to be busy. We're going to be, you know, keeping busy, getting stuff, learning stuff. And uh, I can't wait to learn about all the things that will be announced. I'm sure there will be a lot of announcements. The exhibit hall always has, you know, projects. I kind of think of CSUN as the CES of assistive technology. On a much smaller scale. It's right. The thing about the exhibit <laughs> hall, and especially as somebody who's navigating as a blind or visually impaired person, CSUN exhibit hall is manageable. Uh, CES makes me insane. I mean, and I, you know, crowds in general, but just the ability and you and it, the exhibit hall is open for three days. You don't need all three days to do it, but if you want to, you have it. And I find there are more and less crowded periods during the day, but I find it to be usually a pretty manageable exhibit hall. So I think there's some some value in it. Uh, there are accessible formats for the exhibit lists. You can sort them by booth number. If you just want to go up and down the aisles, you can sort them by topic. So you can kind of create an exhibit hall experience that's comfortable for you. They do have volunteers there that will take you through the exhibit hall. I don't know what the parameters of that are, but that service does exist at the entrance to the exhibit hall. So that's something to consider if you're kind of looking for a quick way to find just the thing that you want. And I still need to go through the exhibit hall uh, list because, you know, it's, you know, last minute. <laughs> and so, again, we will also do some interviews and we will also link to the Blind Bargains interviews on the website, you know, to share the knowledge of technology. And because Shelly is awesome, JJ is awesome, and Joe is awesome. So they all put out great content. And we will have our own live show and we'll do uh, interviews as well. So, you know, it will be a great conference. So with all that being said, Jason, what's your pick for the week and where can people find you online? Well, I am actually wearing my pick for the week. It is the JBL Everest 710 GA Bluetooth. Amazon says it's on ear, but it's more around ear. Headset. The headset features 25-hour battery life. It does charge with micro USB, unfortunately, but it has voice prompts. You can connect it to multiple devices, and um, it it has a very nice sound, and it sounds pretty much the same over Bluetooth and a wire connection, which is something I prize in a Bluetooth headset, as people who know me will definitely <laughs> probably know by now. Um, it's very comfortable, and uh, I think the price has gone up, but when I bought it on Amazon, it was like 100 and I think it was like $108. I think it's like 120 something now. But it's not all that expensive. It does not noise cancel. But it, again, it's, it's pretty comfortable. I like it. And uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to keep it. And as far as where people can find me, 
You can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can follow me on Twitter at JDE91. That's Juliet Delta Echo 91. And you can also search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. All right. And Jeff, what is your pick and where can people find you online? All right. So I do not have a hardware pick or a uh, software pick today. I'm going to talk about an audio drama. That's right, because Gold Rush is coming. Now, if you have not listened to the We're Alive podcast, it's a, uh, uh, well, <laughs> I'm not even sure how to describe it. It's, it's, it is a zombie story, but it's not. It's more about a, a group of characters who try to survive basically the end of the world as we know it. Um, it's, uh, if, if you remember the old days of the Star Wars trilogy that, uh, National Public Radio, along with, uh, you know, Lucasfilm put together and they broadcast on radio back in the eighties, uh, then you're in for a treat because this, uh, this is similar to that. Why I'm bringing it up now is because they just released a We're Alive podcast where they basically go through the entire 48 episode series and give you a recap of the storyline and so if you have not listened to we're alive you want to start listening now in prep for gold rush which is coming out in september which is supposed to pick up the story two years after the end of uh we're alive and they say it's going to be audio drama as you've never heard it before so go to we'realive.com and start binging the series you've got about you know, just a few months to get through lots and lots of audio content, about uh, 50, 52 hours worth of uh, audio Woo. content. And that doesn't even include lockdown and all the other things that make up the series. So I'm gonna go, go get... listen to it and you will love Bert. You will love that character. He's uh, simply amazing. Where you can get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter. You can follow at Jeff Bishop, J-E-F-F-B-I-S-H-O-P. And you can email me at Jeff at JeffBishop.com. All right. And Sarah, what's your pick and where can people find you? So my pick is an app called Newsbreak. And um, as far as accessibility goes, I just downloaded it Friday, so I'm not prepared to discuss all the ins and outs of whether or not it is fully accessible. However, what I am enjoying about it is that on the initial setup, you enter your zip code and you can use your current location as based off of what your phone sees your current location. And it will push notifications to your phone that give you great headlines. Like on Friday, it gave me a headline about some traffic construction with possible signal changes that were coming to my area. So I was pretty excited about that because it's very local. It's not just statewide or nationwide. As far as where people can find me online, um, you can follow me on Twitter at bioinstructor, although I don't post very much. And um, you can send me an email at bioinstructor02 at gmail.com. All right. Shelly, how about you? What's your pick and where can people find all the stuff you're working on? So my pick is a hardware device with the unwieldy name of Kingston Mobile Light G3 and Pro. And what this is, is a little box 
Uh, I'm taking it to CSUN with me because I'm also not taking a laptop. I'm only taking an iPad. And my goal is to get the audio from my digital recorder into the iPad and up to the cloud where it can be edited. And in order to do that, I am going to connect this box, which has Wi-Fi, but also has Ethernet and has Lightning as well, so I can physically connect it to the iPad. It is a card reader. It is a battery backup. And the Pro version has 64 gigs of uh, memory inside of it as well. And there's a little app on the iPad, and so you can grab the contents of the SD card and move it to the iPad, and that's wherever you want, which solves the problem of not being able to move audio to the iPad. And it's cheap. It's like $25. It's a great little box, and I love it. And because I still have an old iPad that doesn't have USB-C, uh, I'm faithful, grateful for that at this point because my Mobile Light G3 will serve me well. And um, I'm really looking forward to using it and to seeing how well I do without my MacBook Pro. That is a very interesting... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I think a few of us are about to go look that up. <laughs> right? It's worth it. One. I want do it. one. I want one. <laughs> um, as far as where I can be found on the internets, you can find me at Twitter, on Twitter at S-H-E-L-L-Y. Also, my various projects have Twitter accounts, but instead of telling you them, I will just give you some websites. My book about iOS accessibility is at iosaccessbook.com. My podcast, which I want everybody to subscribe to so I can get my subscriber numbers way up, and all the nice people at Relay FM will say, isn't she amazing? And you also will get to hear great CSUN coverage there, uh, is relay.fm slash parallel. And again, both of those have Twitter accounts that correspond, but uh, the best way to find me online is uh, just to shoot me a mention at Shelly on Twitter. Excellent. And Aaliyah, where can people find you and what's your pick? My pick for this week is Postmates. And it has been out for a while, but we just tried um, Postmates Unlimited, which gives us access to free delivery. Um, This is a food and grocery delivery app. Um, It can also... They can also go to, like, Walgreens or whatever is on their store list. And um, I have found, actually, to have had less issues with Postmates, um, knock on this shiny wood right here, than other delivery services. But it's mostly accessible. It has a few things that are not the best, but um, it's much better than it used to be. And... Um, so it's, it's probably one of my favorite, um, delivery apps. As far as where people can find me online, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A, at iAccessibility.net, and you can follow me on Twitter at BlindCowGirl199. All right, so I guess that just leaves me. So my pick this week is something... For Android, yes. I'm actually picking something for Android. I've started playing with an app that I played with before called Tasker, and it's kind of the equivalent to shortcuts on iOS. And what Tasker lets you do is you can create different, basically, shortcuts, but where it differs is that you can have different system events. Like if your power is connected, you can have something fire off to, you know, speak out your device is fully charged or you know now charging and then the battery level or things like that you could run JavaScript you can even put Java functions in it and it's very powerful and apparently you could share your tasks through links 
which is interesting because, you know, I don't know if there's any big communities to share these kind of uh, things, but I'm looking into that because there's a lot of power on Android for the use of this program. So it's kind of neat. I, I had on an older uh, Android device, I think it was Samsung, where you would plug in the power and it would tell you, because I don't use a screen reader, and I like to get that feedback of now charging and then the battery percentage, you could do all of that with Tasker. You could do app-related events. You could do all kinds of stuff that are really, really cool. So that, that is my pick for this week. As for where you could get in touch with me, you can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Mike Doeys. That's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. You can find me on Twitter. Just search for Mike Doeys. Facebook, just search for Michael Doeys. And you could find me at my website, michaeldoeys.com. And all over the web, just do a search. So, All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the IACast. I think this has been a great episode. And like we've said during the show... We're going to be doing all kinds of event coverage at CSUN, and uh, we're going to try to meet up with everybody there, and I think it's going to be an, an amazing event. And, uh, you know, send us an email, and we'll give that email later in our closing info, but send us an email and let us know what, you know, questions you have about CSUN, and if we can during the week, we will answer them, or we will go find the information for you. So, again, that'll do it. Thank you, Shelly and Sarah, for being here. Shelly, it's your second time here. Sarah, it's your first, so welcome. We hope to see you guys both back here, and it's been an awesome episode. Thanks for having me. Me too. All right. That'll do it for this episode. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. This show has been brought to you by the IACast Network. We love hearing from you. Email us at feedback at iAccessibility.net. Got Twitter? Follow us at iAccessibility1. Facebook? Search for iAccessibility. Download our free apps for iOS and Android and keep up with all of our content at iAccessibility.net. If you'd like to donate to our show, hit the PayPal button on our website and get early access to our outtakes with a donation at patreon.com slash iACast. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2019, iAccessibility, LLC.